What's up? What's Caught up? You. Hi, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to Agitator. My name is J. David Osborne. That's Kelby Losack. We got the man Adam Lehrer on of Safety Propaganda and System of Systems to talk about 2017's Junkhead, 2022's Connect, the new Takashi Miike show, and this thing right here. The Safety Propaganda Conceptual Manifesto <laughs> for Psychological Warfare. We don't do video, but anyways. <laughs> this, hey, listen, listen. We might start doing video because everybody tells us that we should do YouTube. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we yeah, will one day. Yeah, all the gay I guys who follow interview. us are like, yeah. you're hot. You should. I post <laughs> an interview on there once. I get like no traffic to my YouTube page, but if I do, it's just like a couple fags being like, Hey, I like how your hair looks. <laughs> That's a question that Kelvin and I both had because Twitter uh, is obviously a black hole for things like book promotion, but you seem to do pretty well for yourself. I know that you're one of the most shadow banned motherfuckers on Twitter. I mean, yeah, you, can type, you can type safety propaganda one into Twitter and nothing comes up. Nothing. So, yeah. So how do you get this i want to start off with a with a marketing question how do you get shit out there man i think it's mainly uh yeah twitter is obviously like a dead end for me at this point i really i'm struggling to see the point of posting on it at all anymore certainly elon musk is not hearing my cries <laughs> um instagram i seem to get a bit more traction with even though my accounts are locked um uh, I think the reason that I am able to um, maintain whatever brand awareness is just through like the my like surrounding network. Just because I have a lot of friends who are big in visual art, music, and writing, um, and they all sort of you know boost me and. Certainly there is kind of like a benefit to having what is perceived as like a crew or something. Um, you know, if I post a picture with me and Billy Corgan or whatever, then you're going to get like a lot of fucking Smashing Pumpkins fans wondering who I am. And then some of them Googling who I am and then like going on uh, chimp outs about how Billy Corgan is associating with the far right, etc., etc. <laughs> but within that, there's also a lot of people who are legitimately interested. I think mm -hmm. that's probably been like the bulk of my success so far is um, people like uh, Billy or Dominic Fernow or James Ferraro or you know friends that I've cultivated over the years um, being like to other people check this out it really is kind of like a word of mouth kind of thing almost in a old school sense mm -hmm. yeah we've been chopping it up a lot about this kind of shit for a long time uh, or the past year at least wanting to get our shit actually sold and monetized you come back full circle to shit just being the same as it always was just you gotta have boots on the ground spread shit word of mouth and hustle like a motherfucker there's really not like there's not a secret to it it's the same as it's always been yeah and i mean right now it works out fine you know because all i need to do is it's not like i need to sell like a million copies i need to sell like three to five thousand 
to recoup expenses or whatever. Um, getting out of that ghetto is like my next goal. Like I don't, I am, I've never been ashamed about my ambitiousness, you know, like, and I don't want to be bastardized to like small press indie publishers forever. Mm-hmm. And if there's one goal I had is sort of, um, reestablishing a foothold in more mainstream sectors of the cultural sphere for like people like us to actually get in there. Cause like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, fucking Substack ghetto motherfucker the rest of my life. Like I want, you know, I want notoriety. I want what Norman Mailer had, you know? Like the way Norman Mailer was able to be like, the most famous writer in America, but still be so kind of cool and interesting. I've always been really into that. And certainly there's been a couple other, like the whole writer celebrity thing is a rarer thing now. I don't think we've really had one since like DFW and Brett Ellis, but yeah, I would like, um, I would like writers to be a bit more respected in the pop culture again. Amen. Me too. And I'm not afraid to admit it. I used to do this false humility thing where I would say, oh, I don't, you know, as long as people are reading it, that's, that's fine with me. It's like, no, I want attention and money and fucking success. And, and I think that that goes hand in hand with wanting people to both read and enjoy your work too. Like one can't exist without the other. I had a, It'll always stick with me. I had a buddy who would make these incredible uh, black metal musical compositions in high school and college, and he would just put them together by himself on his computer and just never release them. He would just kind of make them just for fun. Mm -hmm. There's merit to that, I guess, kind of in a throne of the third heaven type of way, right? Like an autistic person just sort of making something for themselves. Yeah. But I could never wrap my head around that. And I think there's a lot. Yeah. There's just... The, a lot of power, right, in the manifesto got me all fucking hyped up, too. It made me embrace my inner uh, evil-ass demon. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, no, I want... I got psyoped by it. Like, yeah, yeah that's that the shit. point. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, that's what safety propaganda is. It's counter-ops, you know? It's like, it's like uh, breaking through sort of ideological commandeering and, like scooping you know it's like i'm lobotomizing people and then just like filling it up with my own with my own um agenda yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, it's like a big rattling pill bottle of red pills just boom 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 boom. (laughs) um it's funny what you said about black that's such a black metal thing like those guys like they shit on black like black metal i have a friend who um he's he, he does this black metal project, but he remains anonymous. And this guy's always talking shit about how like dark throne has an Instagram page and whatnot, which I get it. If you're like, you know, black metal is supposed to be a very cult thing, but to me, like doing things, uh, on purpose to limit the audience is just as kind of cringe to me as doing things to Mm. like blow your audience out of proportion. Mm-hmm. I think um, you just got to put it out there, you know, like and and if it's, you know, and if it's good. Like some people, some of my friends even kind of like ragged on me for like, um, 
doing the Corrigan podcast and I was just like laughing in their fucking face. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, the, one of the best rock and roll stars, like of our childhood fucks with me. And I'm going to be like, no, you're not <laughs> underground enough. Like, are you fucking out of your mind? That's the mistake that these people make is that like, we're not in love with the underground. We're not here by choice. No, no. We're, we're here because we weren't born into, you know, money and, Dude, I can literally like go to like I'm the guy like I, all like most of my friends are like noise musicians and shit, and I go to these shows and I'm like, do you guys really think this is like the pinnacle of art? It's fucking twenty sweaty basement dwellers hanging out with their <laughs> arms folded, uh, without a woman in sight. <laughs> No, like, sorry, I just saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers play to a sold-out crowd of 54,000 people losing their minds. Yeah. You can't compare with that. No. Yeah, those floors were slippery. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, it's it's so true, and it's just, uh, I think that we all, like, in terms of this being a counter-psyop, you need that audience, too, because what's the point in counter psyoping a psyoped population if you don't want to talk to any of yeah. them or be seen by any of them i think that just makes you a like a a misanthrope yeah if exactly if you're like, hateful oh. and bilious and, and but you don't put anything out there like i made I mean, this book for the 30 bros in the group chat or whatever <laughs> which is like what it feels like sometimes you know uh -huh. but also it's like it is truly uh, gratifying when you go out in public and people come up to me and actually are like, oh, are you Adam Lair from the Safety Propaganda page? And I'm like, you're goddamn right. What, do you want an autograph? They're like, yeah, sign my ass. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and um, no, I, you know, it, it feels good to know that the work's getting out there. But yeah, it was fun writing that the, the 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 manifesto thing i had no idea what it was gonna be when i started it it was just mm -hmm. like at first i was just gonna write like this little document um starting with a uh, crash you know mm -hmm. because the 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 ballard quote is where i got the name from and next thing i know i just started like numbering it and it came out pretty fast i wrote the whole book in like two months Mm -hmm. But um, nonfiction is much easier for me to write than uh, fiction. Fiction, I really agonize uh, over. Um, I think because I'm like retching it out, like strictly from my imagination. Mm -hmm. And then also um, with the new book involved, there was lots of uh, research of like um, medical terms um and shit like that so it you know the, it, it was incredibly labor intensive um but like safety propaganda manifesto i just made a list of god like 500 things that you know get me off or whatever or piss me off and then mm -hmm. and then just started like picking from that list and uh you know there were some things that i knew i had to have on there like the spartacus slave rebellion Oh, that shit was um, awesome. That, that was oh, one of my man. favorite parts, dude. Yeah, I was yeah. hyped after reading the Spartacus entry. I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, and then you I turn did. it around right after that, and you're like, and also Caesar, who, you know, put put that down. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're both very too. cool, you know? Like, <laughs> so much history happened during that few years that it's mm-hmm. astonishing. You know, like, Spartacus, even though he didn't change things in the way that he envisioned, he did end up sort of changing things for the better because it forced the Roman Empire to rethink its structure and become a slightly more democratic Roman Republic. Like he, mm-hmm. I mean, how could anybody not be inspired by the, like, if you're a fucking, like the thing with uh, gladiators was that they were sort of like really inundated with this ideology that they were special slaves because they were like, yeah, they're like locked up in the basement of this, uh, of the, you know, of, um, you know, body or mm-hmm. whatever, um, of their dominus, but, uh, they're, they're treated like stars. Yeah, they got to fuck a lot. Yeah. They got to fuck. They were well fed. They, you know, and there is probably like an immense glory, even though you're like probably going to get murdered pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But, like, to be a champion in ancient Rome was, like, glorious. Like, LeBron yeah. James times a million, you know, people mm-hmm. screaming as you fucking eviscerate some some mm-hmm. weaker man. So, like, Spartacus had to overcome that. He had to be like, look, guys, I know it feels good to, like, rip out a man's entrails and like gargle on his blood while people are like screaming your name and women are flashing their tits at you. Spell out I fucked your mom with his blood. <laughs> in the, in but this. but in reality you are fucking slaves. You are not allowed to leave yeah. here. That shit ain't right. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know he leads a fucking rebellion that starts with 60 gladiators who just ran train on the house of Badiatis killed everything in sight, which is so sick. Like mm-hmm. that's real revolution. You can't, there's no prisoners, you know, it's like you kill everything. And then within two years, he's leading an army of fucking 60,000 people. Yeah. I mean, amazing guy. There was this book that I read once that I can't remember the name of it. I'm not sure how much of it was true because the author wrote a bunch of books about, like porn and and snuff films and shit like that. So I don't know how much of this was sensationalized or not, but it was a depiction of Rome and gladiators and you know the Colosseum uh, was just orgy like of people. death. Orgy, talking, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, where people are beating meat in the fucking stands yeah. and shit and fucking each other in the ass. But he talks about the, how the gladiators had their own special language that was a combination of grunts and like jerking off like they would whip their dicks out and like flip it around and that was how they communicated or something <laughs> i don't care if it's a po- i don't care if that's not real that's how i choose to believe that gladiators <laughs> communicated with each other like, <laughs> waving their wieners at each other yeah no it was uh it was wild times and i'm i mean i'm fascinated i'm just ancient rome is like my favorite history to read um so yeah, I had to include some some discourse about that in the book. And um it's also important too because there's a lot of stuff in the manifesto about <clears throat> not being afraid to die and about your legacy after you die. Basically what you leave behind because there are countless examples within it of people who killed themselves 
or uh, Cobain's an interesting one where you say uh, the guy from Earth who gave him the shotgun. You say he uh, accidentally did a did a he did, pop he did the world a favor. Great favor. <laughs> <laughs> he did the world a favor. But you're right because he would have been a libtard if he was alive today, right? I mean, yeah. you see this. You see this with uh, who's the guy from Shellac? The uh, um, oh my god, Albini. Albini. Right? Oh god. And yeah. I like I loved Shellac too. Like Prayer to God was one of my like anthems. Yes. That that song's was, pretty sick. Kill him, just was, fucking kill him. Yeah, when I was going through like a breakup thing, I, I would just listen to that <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, fucking kill him." But uh, but he's turned into a complete. I mean, he had a band called Rape Man, and now Rape he Man, has yeah. the, the audacity and, um, to uh to lecture people about what's yeah, and nice it's very self-serving nice. because uh yeah you could say his financial wealth was accrued because he's a good sound engineer or whatever but i'm sorry most bands that went through his studio went there because they thought it was cool that the guy from big black and rape man was engineering their albums they thought it gave them like a sheen of legitimacy or whatever so like you can't decouple his uh youthful transgressions from his actual success so he's basically saying the thing i did to make it you're not allowed to do because of x y and z reasons he's like Mm -hmm. he's like the biggest cunt i've ever seen in my entire life i if i could if i could like go into the twitter algorithm and just bury an account that's the one i would probably go with yeah yeah (laughs) or bury him personally What's up, Steve? Yeah. Kill, him just, kill him, just fucking kill him. Just fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. And I think that there's something really sinister going on with that. I think it's that once people get older, they have to find ways to consolidate their power. Yes. And this is just the newest way of doing it. It's saying like all this youthful transgression that absolutely made me my small fortune and gave me this cultural power is now... Well, I think there's something you. interesting about Gen X as a generation in a negative way. Yeah, they're the like, worst. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I think, you know, it was a very apolitical. Um, it was a very apolitical generation. Uh, America was at the height of its prosperity. You know, average salaries were way the fuck up. If you went to college, you'd basically be a six figure person at some point in your 30s. All this shit, and you know that that was cool in some ways. It gave them sort of a disaffected tone in their work. So you have good shit like the YBAs. You have designers like Alexander McQueen, DFW, all these things. Um, but as the world becomes more politicized, which it's no doubt going to do after things like nine eleven financial crisis, etc. They had never really thought about politics um, in a serious way, which made them very vulnerable to just like accepting all these ideas from the generations that came mm, after them. Yeah, so now I they just that, like, yeah. they espouse the same bullshit, but honestly with even less intellectual thought than, than millennials and, and, and Zoomers or whatever. That was something I thought that like, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to derail us into talking about the show at all. We can come right. But that was just one thought I had about connect was that I wish 
it was going in more of a direction of the art versus the artist with the whole corpse art thing and how people were like on the very first episode is like, Oh, but this shit is really beautiful, but right. we have to, we have to track down this killer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, um, it was, I, the, the show, I mean like the, the serial killer as artist has like definitely been a well-trodden theme, I think. Um, and I think what, uh, the, the actor who played the serial killer was so wooden to me that it ended up like fucking coloring everything that I saw about the show. Like, I mean, he had like no emotional depth or something. He was just like, I am evil and I want to make body art or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't that like. Christian Bale, it's, American it's, Psycho element. It's funny or, because right. he, he hams it up in the last two episodes. Yeah, he, he does. He, he, he goes <laughs> he goes full. like It's like he's making up for lost time because when he's in there and he's cutting people's body parts off and reconnecting them, doing Joker laps and shit like that. It's like up until then, though, yeah, he was just, he had that little bowl cut. And uh, yeah, I didn't really find him very scary. Uh, no, I I was also I was uh, disappointed with the show because I'm a Mike super fan. And yeah, I think that what I realized <clears throat> by the sixth episode was that I think this is meant to be a multi-season show, and I was under the impression that it was a limited six-part series that was going to be I thought, too. self-contained story. And so there were parts that were dragging, like the third and the fifth episode could be taken out entirely. And you would lose almost nothing because there's so much flashback and just sort of stuff that doesn't need to be there. And then you start to realize like, oh, they're they're setting up a whole, you know, race of these people who can who are immortal, basically, and who want to take over the world. And it just seemed to me like Miike really had a difficult thing going there because he'll do anything for money. Right, Mike's an artist. That, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, I mean, he's mad been, respect to the man for that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been he's directed everything you could think of. But recently, if you go to his IMDb page, most of his work has been in J-pop girl group music videos because yeah. they pay him money to do that. So when they give him a TV show, one of the things that's always fascinated me about him as an artist is that his, you know, discipline and pursuit of coming in under budget and on time I think is really admirable and I love the way that he's able to put his stamp on things still within that constrictive uh, uh, sort of framework but in this one I think that he was just like you know how do we do how do we stretch this to six you know yeah and I and I think that it, it there's just a lot of repetition man that song playing over and over again was just like Oh, yeah. like hearing that song again and then all the like how many times do you have to flash back to the kid falling out of a tree or you know, <laughs> I'm not a monster <laughs> if I heard that one more time I'd be like yeah. yes you are a monster with like tentacles <laughs> coming out and stuff and like and that's what on oh Agitator, and the CGI was like so distracting like yeah. when they uh, severed their limbs because Takashi Miike's I mean in like his masterworks that we all sort of go back to Mm-hmm. audition ichi the killer gozu whatever there's like so many glorious physical effects the overall yeah. feeling is just one of like oh disgusting and also mm-hmm. and also cartoonish cgi we yeah. talked about this yeah. before too yeah. how he he utilizes cartoonish cgi to great effect like in 
Ichi the Killer when Kakihara takes his little rings out and That's his right, jaw yeah. goes, and then Ichi tries to punch him and he bites it and it's it looks totally <laughs> fucking fake. Or, or the dude's uh, face on the wall, like yeah, the dude's face, on, or where he splits and... the girl in half and it looks fake. Like that shit rocks. Everything in Zebra Man rocks because it looks so the little green aliens and shit. Yeah, I think uh, the show also might have not really benefited from like the moment that it's coming out of because there's just been an onslaught of amazing uh, both television shows and films in the last few months. Mm -hmm. So normally, like, you know, there's like such a lack of good content that I would have I'd be totally psyched to watch Kashi Miike's series. And I was certainly a little amped to um, to hear that he had done one. Mm -hmm. But I think um, that might have been a bit more muted than usual, which might have muted my overall reception to it. Because, like, after watching um, what was an utterly bravura, you know, work of television and film art in the second season of The White Lotus or um, the third season of Lars von Trier's The Kingdom, which has still not been very highly discussed in the discourse, Wait, but is what? like... I didn't even know that existed. Oh man, yeah. It's uh it's only showing on movie. I can give you guys my login to check it out. Hell yeah. It is Hi. absolutely riotously funny. It is uh it's like the funniest show on television I've seen recently. It's like got that same nasty sort of satiric humor of the original series, but like what's cool about Lars von Trier now is um ever since he did the Kanye, I love Nazi comment first in like 2011. <laughs> he, he had to do his like humiliation ritual of like apologizing and whatnot. But his work is still in the, a similar register. Like he still gets his, um, his naughties out in his work. So in the first episode of the new season of The Kingdom, you meet Dr. Helmer, who is Dr. Helmer from the original season's son. And just like his dad, he is also an arrogant, incompetent Swede who gives a soliloquy every episode that ends with Danish scum as he, uh, <laughs> as he just bemoans how much he hates Danish people. But whereas his father was like an old boomer crank, his son is like he is like uh, berating the staff members about their using gendered language. And about not having nice. enough diversity on the staff. So the doctors end up having to find these two black janitors. And then the guys have to just pretend they're oncologists during the morning meetings. <laughs> to satisfy <laughs> the Lizard doctor. It's so good. That's, that's really, that's astute to the way that sociopathy has basically found its perfect home in oh, tardism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, sociopathy is very, you know, it's fluid. It can just mm -hmm. uh, sort of swallow the affect of whatever's going on around it. You know, it's got to, it's, um, you know, you got to wear the mask of sanity. I, I, this may or may not be related, but it's the first thing that comes to mind because once this shit started going down about 10 years ago, I suddenly had the thought that all of this rhetoric and language was tailor-made for the worst people on earth to abuse, right? Yeah. And uh, I finally, I got an email from a friend of mine who's much more, you know, liberal than the three of us. And uh, 
It was a screenshot of a tweet. Wait, was this in the group? This was in the group chat, Kelby. So this is not who I'm thinking. Anyway, <clears throat> it was a person who said that they were suffering from long-term COVID symptoms and it was making it so that they couldn't get out of bed and oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the guy said, like, don't you guys think it's weird that everybody who seems to suffer from long COVID or people who are lazy pieces of shit who never wanted to get out of bed in the first place? And I was like, yeah weird weird uh, how that works out he, he'd right? be he'd be uh he'd be upset at you about calling him a liberal too i thought it was Ke i thought it was keaton that sent it to me but <laughs> it's keaton sent me something else about a writer that we know who we've known is terrible for years and who pretends to be sick all the time and mm. who just got fired from a prominent newspaper gig uh, nice because her i guess her co-workers were finally sick of her shit and, you know, she went online and was like, these people are gaslighters and abusers. And it's the same, the same language that gets used every time. And, yeah. Uh, but I think people are, I, I do think that the dam is starting to crack a little bit. I think people are getting sick of these people's shit. And they're just like, I don't care what, where your head is at. I don't care what your mental health is like. I would like for you to do your job. And um, <laughs> I got an interesting anecdote about this. My friend Bradford, um, his name's Bradford Kessler. He's a uh, one of my best friends, and he's a very talented visual artist. Mm -hmm. But he was at a New York Times party um, because he's been trying to make the transition from sculpture and painting to actually making narrative cinema. So he's been mm -hmm. sort of hanging around these circles more. And he was talking to A.O. Scott, I think, and Manola Dargis, the film critics, and they were both talking about how much they loved tar. And one of them, he said, made the comment, it was so nice to uh, love a movie and then be allowed to love that movie publicly, suggesting mm -hmm. that most of the movies like on their top 10 or whatever yeah. are not actually the ones that they liked. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think there is a fatigue. And yeah. um, especially like if you're the New York Times people, they're all like, mid 40s mid 50s it's like older liberals a lot of them yeah. probably have trouble keeping up with this shit anyways you know canceled or or whatever i don't even really i don't well, that's like what i am um, and i'm curious and to anymore. get your guys thoughts on this uh <clears throat> after getting over like the initial jarring reaction of seeing kanye peruse with noted piece of shit faggot loser nick fuentes <laughs> uh after i watched his entire interview with alex jones yeah me too yeah yes yeah, yeah and then it became very clear to me that he's doing what is basically uh in the spirit of you know pretty much endurance-based performance artists like vito asansi or chris burden but on a much epic more grander scale with actual stakes where he's like, all right, I am going to go after the one real sacred horse of Western culture, which is nations come to a halt. I maintain that this art does cause antisocial violent behavior, but that that's fine. That that's yes, of course. just what happens. That's that, a, is, that is the bat. That is the alpha response. You know, that's a side effect. Like, you know, pe people pop SSRIs all the time and pretend that mental health is something to be utterly concerned about and your excuse out of everything as well. 
and the side effects on that they're like well you know but it cures my depression it's like well okay art is necessary and it might cause kids to shoot up a school yeah and it's obviously like you know there's layers and layers of complication of these kinds of things obviously these kids weren't damaged by the culture that they consumed Mm -hmm. they're damaged by fucked up absent parents and bullies who mercilessly harass them and all that horrible shit that happens to young people but of course if you're listening of course you're gonna (laughs) be triggered and and Mm -hmm. have that sort of rage and contempt fueled by the culture that you consume it does Mm -hmm. have dark occult power Mm -hmm. um so the courageous thing for an artist to say is, I think Eminem kind of actually did this, yeah. uh, you know, which was like, I, I'm an artist. I'm just speaking my mind. I, I can't control it beyond that. I have that right, you know, mm-hmm. not saying it's not my fault, just saying maybe it is my fault. It let's, wasn't my let's, intention. Let's take, so this was the same argument that I used that got me in big trouble with so I like the reality tunnels. Uh, I liked the one about uh, Arbus. Was it Diane Arbus? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the pictures of retarded people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the point you bring up in there that's really valid is that she took these pictures as a rich woman, a rich white woman, right, from a fetishistic standpoint. And the art critics who wanted to like her in public had to talk about how she had empathy for her subjects and you write no shit she had empathy she's a human being (laughs) that doesn't mean that these aren't fetishistic pictures and by the way that's also what makes them good yes they're dark they're very dark photos uh dark images and they're full of lurid uh voyeuristic intent and that's what makes them so cool. You know, it, mm-hmm. it is like a rich lady peeking at like naughty things that, you know, thrill her from the vantage point of like a very safe, wealthy background. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Harmony Corinne is kind of struggling to get anything kind of greenlit or I don't know if he's struggling for inspiration these days in this current climate either because uh, like Spring Breakers was an easy target with the dumb beach bimbos at spring break right nobody gave a shit that he was exploiting that crowd but that's oh you think he was exploit okay so i have a different reading on that film oh okay because like that was very much like my college experience my undergrad experience like i went to university of arizona and that was the vibe at the time like skrillex and just like extreme debauchery and at the time it seemed kind of corny and philistine but in retrospect, it seems fucking awesome. And I think what Harmony was doing was like locating the transcendent quality in that sort of like hyper retardation. Oh, um, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I agree with that fully. I think in like exploitation, you can find that transcendence is kind of what you're searching for. Unless ex- unless exploitation is just an aesthetic that you're trying, like that's the intent is to exploit. I didn't think, um, I don't think that about any of his work. I think yeah. like all of it does have this uh, transcendent quality to it that comes from this leaning into a sort of an exploitation of just like 
Look at these retards. Look at these crazy people. <laughs> Look at these, like... <laughs> the thing that I love the most about the manifesto, there's a lot of points that I that I love. I like the idea of life as narrative. I'm obsessed with hyperstitions and think that they're uh, super true. Yeah. Um, I like that it is a kind of eternal war against the bourgeoisie in all of its forms, uh, which I thought was really well articulated in the, the Polya versus Hillary Clinton section of the book. Yeah. But the thing that I like the most and the thing that I keep coming back to, whether it's Arbus or Marilyn Manson, it's the, the, the criticisms that are levied against these extreme artists don't need to be explained away right that the criticisms are actually true but they're good right yeah so this idea of things like hatred and racism and misogyny are actually forces of art yeah they're all valid feelings that we all reconcile with and i think so much like racial paranoia just stems from the idea that we can't actually address the differences that we see and that annoy us. You see that happen a lot. You see, when people do something that's a little bit too close to home, it doesn't really go well. In the lit world, it's so fast too. It's so fast and it's so hardcore when you speak out even just a little bit. I've seen a lot of different subcultures whether it's gamers or musicians or whatever. And the bullshit has infected all of their scenes, right? But I've never seen it like I saw it firsthand in uh, in books over the past yeah. 10 years. It's been absolutely insane. You know, people who made their bones being transgressive and weird. Like, I was a bizarro author, you know, like Carlton Mellick and all those kind of people. That was sort mm. of where I, I started off. And they all, hell yeah. But I think, a... I think what it is, dude, is like, it's the assertiveness and the confidence. And I think that that's what's yeah. missing from uh, writing in general. <clears throat> like, if I read something from, I'm trying to think of writers who even do this now. So you, I think Dean Kissick is pretty good at this too. But like assertive sentences that don't equivocate and that mean what they mean. Mm. Uh, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. Yeah. And I think that it's that directness. And, you know, I mean, the language you use, sure, that's uh, that's related to Goat, obviously, because the Redneck Manifesto is just, like, unapologetically full of whatever invective you could possibly think of. And it's deployed casually, right? Yes. It's not it, – it, it ceases to feel shocking after maybe the first or second time you read it because that's just where you're at, right? But yeah. I think that there's something to be said for – uh, direct, assertive, maybe the word is even masculine prose that just mm-hmm. doesn't fuck around and just says what it means. I think it's great. I, I think you got a great prose. voice. Oh, thank yeah. you, my mans. Uh, do you guys like any novels that came out this year? That came out this year? The one that I wrote, yeah. The one that Kelby wrote was good too. Yeah, uh, I liked uh, Dying was... World and Mercy. I liked How. <laughs> I liked uh, I like Ghost of East Baltimore by David Simmons. Mm-hmm. That's a good like, one. Uh, That's a really good one. Pulp is making a comeback, and we are like you know, 
it's a shameless plug, but it's also just the truth. Like the collective we're part of is bringing, obviously we stand by it all. Like the it's popping off dude. It's yeah. Popping off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to read the new mosh vague. I haven't gotten around to that yet. Yeah. I love that. I think she's fucking great. Um, I also really liked Cormac's new book. Um, and I'm like halfway through the new Bruce Wagner, which is unbelievable. Just ignore me, except for the people. I don't know if you get this. If you look at your Instagram stories <clears throat> and there are still people who read every Instagram story that you put out. Oh, definitely. You know, you know that they hate your guts and you're like, oh, you're keeping tabs. You're just seeing what I'm up to. Because, yeah. you know, you say that you haven't been canceled. But when you do something that hits it big, they're going to come back. Oh, they're absolutely. They're, they're waiting for that. They don't care so long as you're not to them. As long as they perceive that you're in a box. That I'm fine. in my lane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're in your lane, that's fine. But if you start breaking out, I wonder if you got any of that with the court and shit. Like, uh, oh, deaf dude. There was like people were sending me threads on the Smashing Pumpkins message board. Mm hmm. And it was like fascinating. I literally split the audience in absolute like down down the middle in half. Like half mm -hmm. the people were like, "Never heard of this guy Adam Larry. He seems interesting. Gonna buy his book." And then the other half is like, "Have you Googled him? Oh my god, he's, a loser. he's insane. He's evil." And, uh, Billy, there's no other way to be, bro. There's no other way yeah. to be right now. Like yeah. there's like. What people don't understand is that art and art culture. Do you have thoughts about the Angelicism blog? Oh my God, do I ever. I know who makes it <laughs> mm -hmm. personally. And I have many thoughts. 